0: Hey, wrestling fans this is sean coming to you from london ontario and thank you for joining me for another edition of the scumbags wrestling podcast whether you're listening to us on spotify stitcher itunes iHeartRadio, youtube or any of our other 15 locations that you can get podcasts from it's greatly appreciated that you tune in each and every week be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends so that they can join in on the wrestling scene as well. On this week's episode, we'll look at some news from the independent wrestling scene here in Ontario. Get ready for tonight's Smash Wrestling in Tilsonburg, a look at NWA Power, Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory, plus their tapings in Windsor this past weekend, along with highlights from AEW Dark and Dynamite. The week that happened in WWE and setting you up for Crown Jewel happening later on this week. Be right back after these short messages. Shockstock 2020 is New Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos word of a sanctuary for mutants freaks goblins and geeks spread throughout the land three days of thrills and chills with screenings panels celebrities workshops interactive fun vendors all-nighter parties and more stay tuned for guest announcements and more info Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Factory. Over Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays and located at 309 Exeter Road here in London.
1: You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast, y'all.
0: Welcome back to the show. Normally, I start off with the Smash Wrestling calendar. However, there is a little bit of news coming out of the Ontario scene that does reflect on what's going to happen coming up in Smash Wrestling and beyond. Earlier this week, Eddie Osborne had made an announcement that PWA, Pure Wrestling Association, was going to be shutting down and closing its doors forever. It's been 14 years that the organization's been in business. It's based out of BC with uh, Vancouver and Victoria. And over here in Ontario, they run shows in Guelph and Kitchener. That's not going to happen anymore as of November 30th. That will be their final show. I believe that's going to be a Kitchener show. They're, we're hoping that Eazy-E was going to be retiring the title as the final champion. That didn't happen last night as Elian Habanero ended up claiming the title from Eze. e But as far as it goes with what Eddie Osborne was talking about, he wants to focus on a new direction, get motivated again, and I guess... Maybe stuff with PWA has been just going along normally and nothing good or bad. Either way, no motivation for him. So he's going to be partnering up with a few more different people in the new year and relaunching and opening as 365 Wrestling. So once more announcements about 365 Wrestling comes about, we'll definitely keep you updated on where those events are going to happen. Sounds like it's going to still possibly be in Kitchener and Guelph, but at different venues now. Uh, They could be spreading out bigger in Ontario, never know. But that's where things stand with PWA. They're going to be closing their doors as of November 30th with their final event. There's another organization, though, that is not going to be closing their doors anytime soon, and that's Ken Valley Wrestling. They had their first official event, Inception, this past Thursday in Sarnia. Inception saw an open challenge by Brian White taking on Kyle Boone. They crowned their first ever tag team champions as Fighter Flight beat Halal Beefcake and Dusty Hit Squad to become the new champions, and Cody Deener beat Aiden Prince to become the new Chem Valley champion. There's more to be seen out of Ken Valley in Sarnia in the coming months and years. So, while one closes, another one opens in Ontario. Kim Valley's next show will be in January. Looking at some unfortunate news coming out of Ontario scene, Jim Strider tore his Achilles heel recently and will be out 68 months. Of course, I talked to him the other day, and he's thinking... Four months. So you never know how injuries go. Maybe he'll be the Canadian John Cena and come back a lot quicker than normal for different injuries. But we wish Jim Strider the best in his healing and look forward to him returning to a Smash Wrestling or any other wrestling ring in Ontario ring in the future. Another person, unfortunately, stepping away from the ring after completing some bookings in the near future is violet lee violet put out a statement saying that she's achieved everything that she's ever dreamed of doing throughout her life as some people know she is a mother of three children a wife works and is going to school to become a social worker that's a lot of things on her plate including the wrestling business and learning at the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory. Unfortunately, she needs to prioritize things, and I don't blame her, because any good promoter or wrestling fan would totally agree that education comes first because the wrestling world can only go so long. The slightest injury could put you out for good. So in that case, Violet is going to be concentrating on finishing up her fourth year of schooling At Fanshawe College. And when that is done. She's looking to get back into the wrestling ring. So we wish her all the best. In her education. And look forward to seeing her step into the ring. Later on today. And again in the near future. And that does bring us to today. As Smash Wrestling. Returns to the ring. Today. 4pm. Tilsonburg, Ontario. Lions Auditorium. At the Tilsonburg Community Center, doors open at 4 p.m., scheduled for the first bell at 5 p.m. Unfortunately, due to the injury that Jim Strider recently sustained, he will no longer be on today's card, taking on Devin Devine. Instead, Devine will be going one-on-one against Russell Factory student Colton. They're going to bring us a triple threat match between three very different, yet very exciting competitors. That's all in the making of a show stealer. Be prepared to be entertained as Psycho Mike Rollins, the King of the North, Carter Mason, and Saturday Night Delight, Tyler Turva, all lock up in three way action. What will happen when Mike Rollins possibly uses his magic lamp? I have a strong feeling that the lamp is going to get involved with some of the decision makings of that match. However, I'm going to go for Carter Mason. Pulling out the victory. It'll be a battle of the big boys as the devastating Dawn of Disgraceland, John Greed, takes on the powerhouse son of the wrestling machine, Ethan Dukes. Will Greed's wily veteran skills lead him to victory, or is Ethan Dukes going to show the Dawn that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? This one should be a very hard hitting match, as one would expect with two people of their size. The inexperience of Ethan might be the determining factor, however, in London, at Proving Grounds, he did beat Sebastian Suave, so it is possible that Ethan Dukes could pull out the victory over John Greed. I don't see Greed having any of his other disgraced land buddies with him, so this is the opportunity for Dukes to take advantage and pull out the victory. I'm going to go for Ethan Dukes beating John Greed today. There will be tag team action as the exciting fan favorites, Physical Attraction, gets set to take on Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Halal Beefcake. Can Violet Lee manage to keep the muscle focused on the task at hand, or will the champs continue to dominate the tag team division? As there seems to be no talk about this being for the tag team titles, this would be an awesome opportunity for Physical Attraction to surprise the tag team champions and pull out the victory. So I'm going to go with physical attraction, getting the surprise victory over the tag team champions, Halal Beefcake. Corey Stone isn't one to waste time as he declared war on the Pillars his very first night in smash wrestling. That war continues today as he takes on the veteran statesman of the Pillars, the wrestling machine himself, Tyson Dukes. Will the unbreakable tenacity of Tyson Dukes make Stone just a... Another brick in the wall for the veteran, or will the Canadian buzzsaw continue to cut through the core of Smash Wrestling? This one for me is a hard one to determine who will win, because Corey Stone is very determined to take down the pillars. This would be his perfect opportunity to do so by taking out Tyson Dukes today. However, Tyson has a little bit of a different attitude since Super Showdown. I think that attitude along with the experience factor of Tyson Dukes is going to put him over the top on Corey Stone. So I'm picking Tyson to take out the victory today. The final match and the main event of t- this afternoon will be tag team action as the former Smash Wrestling Champion Tarek and the endorsement Sebastian Suave take on the devastating duo of Roscoe Black and Smash Wrestling Champion The Remix Kevin Bennett. Are the Pillars going to continue to dominate as they have been everywhere they go, or do the Champs and his powerhouse partner have some tricks up their sleeve? We'll find out this afternoon when Smash Wrestling returns to Tilsonburg. I would definitely love to see the Pillars continue to dominate and take this victory. However, Roscoe Black has been a determining factor lately in the victories for Kevin Bennett, and with Halal Beefcake being there, the other part of the Kevin Bennett experience, I think the numbers game will be too much for the pillars in this case, and Kevin Bennett and Roscoe Black will pull out the victory. That happens this afternoon in Tilsonburg, Ontario. 4 p.m. the door is open. We're going to have a representation from the Scumbags Wrestling and the Wrestling Nerds making her way from London to Tilsonburg to inspire everybody to be loud and rowdy. So, if you haven't got your tickets yet, be sure to check us out. Smash Wrestling, Tilsonburg, 4 p.m. today. Then, in just under two weeks, November 8th, Smash Wrestling returns to Brock University at Isaac's Bar and Grill for Proving Grounds in St. Catharines, Ontario. There's already four matches announced. And here are some of the things you can look forward to at Brock University on November 8th. Looking to break into the smash wrestling roster, Tyler Hill is ready to take on Carter Mason. Mason is no stranger to the proving grounds, fighting his way into his spot and then proving he belongs there again and again. Hill will certainly have to be at his best to prove himself to the King of the North. Then, heavyweight Jake Jones doesn't play around, so he's not looking to prove himself against just anyone. He's going right to the top. Jake Jones will face off against Smash Wrestling Champion Kevin Bennett. Jody Threat has been in the game for every challenge that has come her way. So why would that change now? Beautiful Bea looks to take on Jody Threat at Proving Grounds in St. Catharines. And what better way to prove yourself then knocking down one of the pillars. That's what Tiberius King is looking to do in St. Catharines when he takes on the one man dynasty Brent Money Banks. Be sure to get your tickets now for Brock University, Isaac's Bar and Grill, St. Catharines, The Proving Ground, Smash Wrestling. And the last event on the Smash Wrestling calendar has Smash Wrestling returning to St. Thomas. The last time they were in St. Thomas, they said they were going to return. With the TV cameras. And that should happen November 23rd at the Joe Thornton Community Center in St. Thomas, Ontario. Will Psycho Mike's conscience get the best of him when he squares off against Corey Stone? There will be a triple threat tag team match when Smash Wrestling returns to St. Thomas featuring Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory graduates The Revolt, Alec Realm, and Jordan James and they will be tested against some of the best independent scene has to offer when they go to war with the Pillars, Brent Banks and Tarek, and Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Halal Beefcake, Joel Coleman, and Idris Abraham. Plus, it will be teacher versus student when Smash Wrestling returns to St. Thomas and Tyson Dukes takes out his wrath on Michael Grayson. Hope the kid's wearing his pocket protector for this one. Get your tickets now. When St. Thomas hosts Smash Wrestling, November 23rd. Hey, wrestling fans. Join me each and every Friday on our Facebook or YouTube channel for the production line. I stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory and catch the stars of tomorrow being built today here in London. Tyson's been in business for the last two years, and we've already seen stars come out of the factory, such as Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Alec Realm, Jordan James, the wave maker, Kyle Boone, the smartest man in wrestling, Michael Grayson, Cyrus Bowman, Rodney Matthews, and Tyson's own son, Ethan Dukes. Many more of the students of the future are seeing their way to the rings in arenas nearby you. You don't want to miss the production line where you can see the beginnings happening today on the production line each and every Friday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube.
1: This is Jim Strider live from the Tyson Dukes wrestling factory. And you're listening to the scumbags of
0: wrestling podcast. Taking a look at the independent wrestling calendar for this week and next today if you're not in Tilsonburg you can always go to Championship Wrestling from Ontario presenting Monster Mash at the Rock Pile 1 p.m. in Toronto Greektown Wrestling presents Beast Mode Halloween Party tonight at 5 p.m. on the Danforth in Toronto So the matches you'll see at Beast Mode include Trent Gibson Doing an open challenge. Benjamin Tall taking on Freddie Mercuro. Bill Coulter against Marco Estrada. Puff taking on Sexy Eddie. TDT in tag team action against Jock Sampson and RJ City. Kevin Blanchard goes one-on-one with Kobe Durst. Space Monkey faces off against Kevin Blackwood. And Frankie the Beast... King goes one-on-one in a first blood match against Channing Decker. That's today on the Danforth Greektown Wrestling Beast Mode Halloween Party. Also tonight, October 27th, Impact Wrestling presents Throwback Throwdown, happening at Battle Arts Academy in Mississauga, Ontario. Rich Swan will be dressing up as Coco Beware and bringing Frankie along with him. Joey Ryan will go one-on-one with Moose. There'll be an eight-person intergender tag team match with the Rascals and Josh Alexander teaming together to take on Tessa Blanchard, Havoc, Kiera Hogan, and Jordan Grace. Ethan Page will go against Willie Mack. That all goes down tonight, Sunday, October 27th, live on Twitch. Impact Wrestling presenting Throwback Throwdown. Then, Saturday, November 2nd, Five Years and Counting, presented by Barry Wrestling, happening in Barry, Ontario. Alexia Nicole has demanded a title shot, and to be honest, she deserves one. With Women's Champion out of the country, Barry Wrestling had to tell Alexia that it wasn't happening. Then she said she didn't ask for Jody Threat, she wanted to shut up that idiot Puff. Barry Wrestling really doesn't think Puff is an idiot, but he is the fightingest Three Pistols champion ever. So here we go. Puff accepted the challenge and will go one-on-one with Alexia Nicole for the Three Pistols championship. Ridley received a contract to Barry Wrestling at their last show. While the young man has yet to earn a win, there is a drive and fight in him that everyone can see. He's going to need that fight on November 2nd as he faces off against Barry Wrestling's most dangerous star, Holden Albright. Five years ago, their very first match on their very first show was Gabriel Fuerza taking on Von Vertigo, and they'll do it again as they wrestle for the Barry Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. Plus, the Golden Gun, Mark Wheeler, will take on Red Death, Daniel Garcia. That's Barry Wrestling, five years and counting, happening Saturday, November 9th. Doors open at 4.30, bell time at 5 p.m. Tickets are available at Doug Laurie, OMG Games, Craft Auto Repair Services, and more. On Sunday, November 3rd, NXW presents Last Man Standing, happening at the warehouse in St. Catharines, Ontario. You'll see Bruiser Battersby taking on the Canadian bad boy Tyler Hill in a last-man-standing match for the NWX Northern Lights Heavyweight Championship. This concludes the Ontario calendar for this week. Get out there and support Ontario Independent Wrestling wherever it's happening. This past Sunday, Impact Wrestling presented Bound for Glory that happened at Villa Park, Illinois at the Quadrum Expo Center. Bound for Glory has always been one of the top events of Impact Wrestling and TNA over the years, and this was sure to be one of those events on that night. Now, whether you look at it as an ending point for the Pursuit Era and the starting point of the Access Era, either way, it was a night that was going to change history for Impact Wrestling. In a dark match, Madison Rain defeated Shotzi Blackheart. Also another dark match had the Rascals, Desmond Xavier, Trey Miguel, and Zachary Wentz defeat Dr. Wagner Jr., Aerostar, and Taurus. This was originally supposed to be on the main card, but got put down to the preview show. The main show of Bound for Glory started off with a Bound for Gold gauntlet match, where the winner could choose any championship of their choosing in the future. This match lasted about a half hour, and Eddie Edwards won by last eliminating Malabar Shira. It was presented more like a Royal Rumble-style event for 30 minutes, and we had guys like Joey Ryan, Cody Deaner, and many more entered the match. Tyler Valkyrie, who had Johnny Bravo by her side, defeated Tennille Dashwood in a singles match to retain the Impact Wrestling Knockouts championship. There was a triple threat tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team Championships. The North, Ethan Page, and Josh Alexander retained their titles by defeating Rich Swan and Willie Mack, plus the team of Rhino and Rob Van Dam. When Rob Van Dam turned on Rhino and took out Rich Swan and Willie Mack, allowing the North to pick up the victory, people wondered why Rob Van Dam did this. In a very hard-hitting match, Michael Elgin defeated Marafuji in a singles match. This is the first time Elgin has been able to defeat Marafuji. There was an intergendered ladder match for the Impact Wrestling X Division Championship. The belt was hung above the ring as Jake Cruz defended the title against Tessa Blanchard, Daga, Ace Romero, and Ace Austin. Most people assumed that Blanchard was a shoe-in to win this match. Romero was just recently signed by Impact Wrestling, but neither of them picked up the victory as Ace Austin snuck up behind and took the belt down to become the new X-Division champion. In a match that, in my opinion, was kind of a train wreck, Moose, who had Frank Trigg by his side, defeated Ken Shamrock in a singles match. And the main event saw Brian Cage defeat Sammy Callahan in a no-disqualification match, for the Impact World Championship. The next stop for Impact Wrestling was to go to Windsor this past Friday and Saturday to record upcoming episodes as a brand new episode of Impact debuts this Tuesday on Access TV and the Fight Network. The main event for that first show is going to see Brian Cage defend the Impact Wrestling World Championship Against Sammy Callahan in a rematch, this time in a steel cage. Without giving away any spoilers for that match and the rest of the matches recorded Friday and Saturday, here are the list of matches that did happen though. Taya Valkyrie goes one on one with Jordan Grace. The team of Rich Swan and Willie Mack go against Desi Hit Squad. Jake Creese goes one on one against Dega. Marafuji takes on Josh Alexander. Ace Austin goes against Eddie Edwards in a street fight. Paula Bra goes one-on-one with Michael Elgin. Plus, Ken Shamrock comes out to talk about his future. Madison Rain and Tyler Valkyrie will go one-on-one against each other. Moose and Willie Mack will collide. Daga, Tommy Dreamer, Tessa Blanchard, and Rich Swan will face off against... OVE, in a street fight. Matches recorded on Saturday night include Fala Bra taking on Jake Kreese. El Reverso against a local competitor. OVE going against Tessa Blanchard and Rich Swan. There will be a multi-man match involving Trey, Willie Mack, Petey Williams, Aiden Prince, Brent Banks, Raju and Romero. Alexia Nicole goes one on one with Madison Rain. The North goes against Eddie Edwards and Mara Fuji. Havoc will take on a local competitor. Jordan Grace will go one on one with Talia Valkyrie, who will have Johnny Bravo by her side. There'll be a four way tag team match involving the Deaners, Desi Hit Squad, Reno Scum, and the Rascals. Ken Shamrock will go one on one with Joy Ryan. And a gauntlet match to determine the number one contender for the Impact Championship. The competitors in the gauntlet include Tessa Blanchard, Rich Swan, Michael Elgin, Moose, Daga, and the former champion Brian Cage. That's a preview of Impact Wrestling for the next four weeks. You can catch it every Tuesday on Access TV or on the Fight Network here in Canada, and I believe Saturdays on Game Show TV. Taking a look at this week's edition of NWA Power, episode number three, which you can catch each and every Tuesday at 6.05 on YouTube and on their Facebook pages, the following is the results from this show. Eddie Kingston immediately interrupted Joe Galli and Jim Cornette as they were welcoming everybody to the show, he and Homicide want to face the Dawsons for getting involved with their tag team title match last week. They're taking out the Dawsons and they're coming back for Royce Isaacs and Thomas Letmer. Kingston said that they have nothing to live for except for wrestling. And that's why they have nothing to lose. And they have everything to gain by going after the tag team titles. Marty Bell then took on Crystal Rose in their first match and Bell hit a pedigree for the victory in 2 minutes and 25 seconds. David Marquez then brought out the Dawsons to the podium, and the fans were chanting Dawson's Creek at them. They riled up the crowd uh, really well, and they said they're willing to fight any single guy in NWA except for Homicide and Eddie Kingston. There was then a promo for Thunder Rosa, who's coming to NWA, Galley then introduced Tim Storm, but Aaron Stevens came out instead, and he was dressed up like a pirate. His fans stared chanting Captain Morgan at him and thinking that he was part of a high school play in Atlanta. He promoted a film called Tropical Pirates, but those things were just mocking his acting career. They showed a trailer for Tropical Pirates, which was just basically Aaron with a woman and a lot of different pirate action and ships in the water footage. No real substance to this whole movie trailer. And then when it finished, he said that when it comes to acting, that he has more chops than Ric Flair. Caleb Conley took on Dan Parker. Conley was in the abdominal stretch, but used a hip toss to get out of it. He hit a slam and a springboard twisting moonsault to win the match in just over three minutes. Joe Galley brought out Tim Storm, and Storm thanked Nick Ellis for the title match that they had, and even though he lost, he said Mama Storm still loves him, and he has some decisions to make about his future. Out came Eli Drake, who questioned whether or not Tim Storm was contemplating retiring or quitting, and Tim said, no, he's not going to be quitting because he's still on the same list and prestige as guys like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Rick Flair, and Harley Race, as they are all former NWA champions. Drake then suggests that there's other gold they could go for as a team, and they have a match later on with the Dawsons. And Storm said that he'll think about it. Then in current fashion of the power show, one of the crazy ads was uh, posted and this one had a woman that was bald giving spiritual advisors invisible hair cream as a product that helped make your hair invisible, not that you were bald, and for people who thought the hair was getting in their way. It was definitely an interesting uh, concept on the commercial. Josephus came out to the ring side area and recapped the brawl they had with James Storm. A couple of weeks ago, he called out James Storm to shake his hand, but instead Cole Cabana came out dressed as James Storm and they shook hands. Powder was blown into Cabana's face, and that actually brought out James Storm who hit his superkick on Josephus, and as he was about to go after Cabana, Mr. Anderson came along and pulled Cabana out of the ring. Nick Aldis and Camille came out to the podium next, and he listed that there was uh, several contenders for a next opportunity for his title. He even put over Ricky Starks, but said that nobody has stepped up yet to the front of the line, and if he can't find anybody to go against... He might have to look at another promotion to find a new contender. Joe Galli continued to ask why Camille does not get to speak for herself. And Aldis allowed him to ask her some questions. But Camille continued to not respond to his questions. So that pretty much ended that segment. And we saw a uh, promo video for a mysterious figure That aired and the question was who is the mark? So we'll find out what's going on who's coming to NWA very shortly The main event saw Eli Drake and Tim storm take on the Dawson's the crowd was happy that storm actually did decide to tag with Eli Drake and The match started with uh, Eli and uh, storm taking advantage of Zane Dawson with back-and-forth tags But then Dave Dawson was tagging in and applied a bear hug on Storm. Zang got back in and continued the bear hug on Storm until he broke free. A chance at doing a double team with Storm and Drake failed as Storm took Drake into the corner. But they missed their target and Drake hit the uh, post shoulder first. The Dawson's then double teamed Storm. And Zane held Storm down and hit Avalanche with Zane then picking up the pin. So the Dawsons end up winning in just under seven minutes. The Dawsons then continued to beat down Tim Storm, and Eddie Kingston and Homicide came out to chase them away. Nick Aldis ended up coming out to check on Tim Storm, and the show went off the air with Eli Drake looking over at the downed Tim Storm. NWA continue to have solid one hour shows, and it should be interesting to see how things progress with any new characters coming in and going forward. They have a pay per view that they're sold out uh, coming up soon. And yeah, this one hour format in studio wrestling is definitely a refresh from all the arena stuff that we have known for the last 20 to 30 years. And they- and why
1: is that Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Ranger at Sea Part 2 is officially sold out, man? Thanks to all of you who booked in the pre sale. Thanks for all of you who booked early. And thanks to all of you who are going to be joining us for the vacation of a lifetime. Now, here's the thing if you didn't buy your cabin, if you didn't book your cabin, and you still want to go, we'll put you on the waiting list. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com. If somebody has to drop out for whatever reason, you'll be the first one we call. So there's still a chance. Cross your fingers. Maybe somebody double booked themselves. Maybe somebody uh, paid with Monopoly money and we just found out about it. Either way, there's still a chance that you can make it on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Ranger at C. If you can't, make sure to pre book early for the next one. But for right now, we are sold out, baby. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Ranger Part C, that C part two.
0: We'll see you there.
1: I'm Joshua Pine, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast.
0: Let's take a look at what happened in AEW this week. Remember, every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock on YouTube, you can always catch the latest edition of AEW Dark. This past week was episode number three. Joey Janela defeated Brandon Cutler. Nyla Rose defeated Leva Bates with a powerbomb. Cody, Dustin Rhodes, and the Young Bucks defeated the Stronghearts, and Private Party when Dustin pinned SEMA for the victory. Taking a look at what happened this week on AEW Dynamite, it came to us from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at the Peterson Event Center. Once again, our broadcast team for tonight is Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, and good old JR, Jim Ross. The show opened with the AEW World Tag Team Title Tournament semifinals match with Private Party, taking on the Lucha Brothers. The crowd was hot from the beginning, chanting AEW as they didn't really know which team to go for. Private Party was coming in with momentum as they had beat the Young Bucks in round one to find themselves facing off against the Lucha Brothers. This match went back and forth between each other with high flying maneuvers and hot tags. Jim Ross was quoted as saying, that the Private Party had a will to win as they didn't want to be eliminated from the tag team tournament. Private Party nearly stole the victory when Mark Quinn launched himself out the top rope with a shooting star press. Unfortunately, Pentagon then was able to get the advantage and snap Quinn's arm backwards. The Lucha Brothers scored a victory after an explosive package driver stomp. Experience won the day, declared Excalibur, and fans will need to see what happens in the next round, and who the opponents would be for the Lucha Brothers. There was a video package for a newcomer named Wardlow, and I have no idea who he is, but he looks like he's going to be a monster for AEW, which they seem to be lacking at the moment, so he'll be a welcome addition to that roster. Next up was the second of two AEW World Tag Team Title Tournament semifinal matches and that saw S.E.U. Kazarian and Scorpio Sky taking on the Dark Order of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Dark Order was accompanied by their minions, and Kazarian and Grayson started off the match trading arm drags back and forth. It wasn't until Uno got in that he ran his knees into Kazarian's head and Scorpio Sky tagged in. But Dark Order ended up mauling him right from the start. With the referee distracted, Uno ended up sending Scorpio into the steel steps. Each time SCU would get some offense, the Dark Order would cut them off. During the match, AEW champion Chris Jericho and his inner circle made their way to a luxury box in the arena with tickets in hand. Kazarian got the hot tag at one point, but it wasn't enough as the Dark Order ended up cutting him off quickly. The Dark Order's fatality finisher was reversed, and SCU was able to pick up the victory by defeating the Dark Order and advancing to the finals to face off against the Lucha Brothers, which was a little bit telegraphed, I guess, with how things have been going the last couple of weeks, especially when the Lucha Brothers had attacked SCU and took out Christopher Daniels. Two weeks ago on AEW Dark, Joy Janela went 1-on-1 with Kenny Omega in a Lights Out match. This week on AEW Dynamite, they went 1-on-1 again, but this time it counted. Just a few days earlier in Mexico, Kenny Omega had beat Ray Phoenix for the AAA Mega Championship. The match started off with each trading back and forth strikes and kicks. The match was also being watched by Inner Circle from their luxury box. Omega had planted Janela on his head with a Snapdragon suplex. After two in succession, Janela countered with his own German suplex to Omega. Janela hit a elbow drop on Omega only for a two-count, and Omega had his V-Trigger countered twice by Janela, who then hit a Fisherman's Buster suplex on Kenny Omega. That's when the fans started chanting, this is awesome. Janela climbed to the top, but Omega moved, causing Janela to crash and burn on the edge of the ring. Omega capitalized with the V-trigger and then one-wing angel for the three count on Joey Janela. Omega's record now in AEW stands at four wins and three losses. Up next, Tony Schiavone had the American Nightmare Cody come to the ring for an interview about his match and future title shot against Chris Jericho. Jericho and his inner circle were in their luxury box and making sounds with air horns, which distracted Cody from doing his speech. They made a reference to WD having a fourth wall there that they would not break, but this is not WD, that this is AEW and that fourth wall does not exist and knocks it down and acknowledged Jericho being in the box and said that they could fight right then and there. Jericho welcomed the fight, because he knew he had the numbers advantage over Cody, uh, four to one. Cody knew, basically, that Jericho was right, so he looked towards the entrance, and out came Dustin Rhodes, followed by MJF. Jericho was just like, yeah, so what, it's still four on three, come and get it. And that's when their fourth man, D.D.P., showed up, and the four of them went after Chris Jericho in his inner circle, going through the luxury box and fighting on the concourse of the arena. Next up was the Young Bucks taking on the best friends who had Orange Cassidy by their side. Orange Cassidy got in the ring as the Bucks were trying to pose and was seemingly unimpressed, standing between them with his hands in his pocket. The Bucks weren't too impressed with Orange Cassidy either, and got rid of him with a super kick. The match went back and forth between the two teams, including some outside interference from, and distraction from Orange Cassidy. The ending came when Matt and Nick executed the more bang for your buck on Chuck Taylor for the victory. The Bucks then got a microphone and accepted the challenge that was laid out last week from Ortiz and Santana for a match at full gear. Jamie Hayter, who's B Priestley's tag team partner in Japan, made her AEW debut against Dr. Britt Baker. Britt Baker was back in her home of Pittsburgh, which fans changed to Britsburg to show their support for their native doctor. Hader had the size advantage on Baker throughout the match, and the two traded near falls multiple times, but both stood their ground. Baker hit an RKO, and then a swinging neckbreaker on Hayter for near falls. Baker then followed up with a superkick across the jaw on Hayter and submitted her with the lock jaw in front of her hometown fans. Backstage, Jamie Hayter was being interviewed in a post-match until Brandy Rhodes assaulted her from behind. The main event was Pac taking on John Moxley. As Moxley was being introduced to the ring, Pac attacked him from behind on the ramp. With Pock at the advantage, he brought Moxley to the ring, but that didn't last long as Moxley used his size advantage and his anger to throw Pock into the turnbuckles. At one point, Pock tried to escape the ring, but Moxley followed up with a tope suicida. Moxley then also hit Pock with a back slam. In the ring, Moxley put Pock into the co-overleaf, but Pock was able to get to the rope, forcing a break. This match was constrained by the timing left on the show. With four minutes left, Moxley kicked out of Pock's Falcon Arrow, and both wrestlers were racing against the clock. At the two-minute mark, Moxley attempted the cradle Pock, but Mox, tumbled to the outside and was met by a kick from Pock. Pock then hit a four-fifty splash onto Moxley on the floor, and the countdown was down to one minute remaining. Moxley crawled. Uh, To Pac and hooked his leg. But Pac kicked out. At the 30 second mark. Moxley hit the paragon shift. But it wasn't enough to finish off Pac. This match ended up going to a time limit draw. And Moxley ended up hitting the referee with a DDT. That's how the show ended up uh, concluding for the week. With Moxley screaming the time limit draw. My ass. We'll see what happens. AEW is getting ready for their next pay-per-view, which is going to be Full Gear, happening November 9th in Baltimore, Maryland at the Royal Farms Arena. Currently, there's just four matches been announced, including Adam Page taking on Pac, The Young Bucks taking on Santana Ortiz, Chris Jericho defending the AEW World Championship against Cody, and Jon Moxley against Kenny Omega. We'll see what other matches get announced over the next couple weeks.
1: Baltimore, the colorful, diverse city that is Maryland's largest city and economic hub. Known for its beautiful harbor, distinct neighborhoods, unique museums, and delicious crab cakes. Baltimore has been the setting for such iconic moments in wrestling. Superstar Billy Graham defeating Bruno Sammartino for the WWWF title. The second annual Crockett Cup came to Baltimore. Ron Simmons became the first African-American world champion. And in 1990, at the Great American Bash, a WCW signature event that made his home in Baltimore, the man called Sting would don the red, white, and blue to take on the champion, Ric Flair, in what would go on to be his first of numerous world title victories. And this November sting returns to baltimore and for the first time in decades we'll return to the red white and blue the jacket the face paint the actual world title he won in baltimore back in 1990 we've got it a photo opportunity like no other and only available at starcast 4. visit starcast.com for more information Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast.
0: Taking a quick look at everything that happened this week on TV, on Monday Night Raw, Ric Flair introduced Drew McIntyre as his final member of Team Flair as they take on Team Hogan at Crown Jewel. This then led to a match between Team Hogan member Ricochet against Drew McIntyre, and McIntyre picked up the victory over... Ricochet and then continued to beat him down after the match Then Alistair black took on local competitor Jason Reynolds and made short work of the local talent There was a segment of the king's court with Rusev as the guest and It got interrupted by Bobby Lashley and Lana at one of Lana's favorite restaurants that apparently Rusev refused to ever take Lana to Rusev said he knew where that restaurant was and decided to leave the ring and go after Lashley and Lana himself. Later on in the evening, we would see Lashley and Lana enjoying dinner and be attacked by Rusev, where police and security had to pull Rusev away, and apparently he was arrested. Sin Cara returned to the ring, but lost to Andrade thanks to some outside distraction from Zelina Vega. Humberto Carrillo was backstage watching this match, and when he was approached f- for a comment, he just predicted that himself and Andrade would be future champions. Backstage, R-Truth was approached by the Singh brothers, and Sunil Singh defeated R-Truth to become the new 24-7 champion. The new Raw Tag Team Champions, the Viking Raiders, defeated Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Rey Mysterio came out to talk about the match that was going to happen with Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel and also made comments about how Dominic was doing. He still had his arm in a sling, and Paul Heyman came on the screen and made comments via satellite, and then Shelton Benjamin came out to confront Rey Mysterio. Before anything could happen, Cain Velasquez came out and Kane made short work of Shelton Benjamin. Universal Champion Seth Rollins went one-on-one with Humberto Carrillo after the comments that were made earlier by Carrillo, thinking he'd be a champion in the future, but not one that would play with fire. Well, it was a very impressive match, and in the end, the experience and skill of Seth Rollins wasn't enough for Carrillo to pull up the victory. After the match, they shook hands and there is a future for Carrillo on WWE Raw. The main event for Raw was supposed to be a six-man tag team match with the OC taking on the Street Profits and a mystery tag team partner. For whatever reason, their partner was not brought out. However, they did mention that their partner does not like AJ Styles. This match was allowed to just be a tag team match with Styles on the outside of the ring. When Styles tried to get involved, he was ejected from ringside, and that's when their mystery opponent revealed himself as Kevin Owens, who was supposed to team with the Street Profits. Kevin Owens gave AJ Styles a stunner on the ramp, allowing the distraction to the OC, allowing the Street Profits to pick up a victory in their debut on Monday Night Raw. Looking at the action on NXT Wednesday night, At 8 o'clock, Rhea Ripley ended up defeating Bianca Belair in what could be a momentum swinger for the women trying to become the number one contender for Shayna Baszler. During that match, Io Shirai came out to try and distract because she wants to be in the title pitcher scene, and so did Candice LeRae, who evened up the odds. All four women still want to be. That number one contender, we'll have to see what William Regal finally decides in the future of who will face the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler, for the Women's Championship. Matt Riddle Defeated Cameron Grimes Cameron Grimes was not interested in any of Matt Riddle's bromanship and turned down the fist pump. Obliging the original bro's gesture instead was Tyler Bate, who was at ringside because he had arrived earlier with Pete Dunne. Grimes then greeted Tyler with a shove, and Bate knocked him down with the bop and bang punch. Isaiah Swerve Scott and Brizango defeated the Forgotten Sons when the Swerve secured the pin on Wesley Blake after a kick that echoed throughout Full Sail Arena. There was a match to try and determine the number one contender, for Leo Rush and the Cruiserweight Champion. That featured Angel Garza defeating Gentleman Jack Gallagher. Both these guys really wanted to impress and go after Leo Rush and the Cruiserweight Champion. Earlier in the day, William Regal announced that there was going to be a tag team match involving the women with the winners getting a tag team title shot against the Kabuki Warriors. Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox defeated the team of Marina Shafir, and Jessamyn Duke to earn that title shot. After their victory, the Kabuki Warriors appeared anything but impressed and delivered a message on the Tron for their newfound foes, declaring they'll have no chance of ending the current champion's reign when the two teams tangle next week on NXT. Somehow, Roderick Strong managed to retain his North American championship by defeating Keith Lee and Diamond Dijakovic in a triple threat match. There was even a spot where Keith Lee launched himself over the top rope onto the competitors on the floor. That's 350 pounds going airborne. The final segment of the night saw a confrontation in the ring between Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and NXT champion Adam Cole along with Johnny Gargano, the Blackheart, Tommaso Ciampa, and the returning Finn Balor. As it looked like the sides were even, they went to approach the Undisputed Era, and Balor stunned all in attendance when he instead caught Gargano in the face with the Pele kick, leaving the Undisputed Era to go 4-on-1 on Tommaso Ciampa. While Undisputed Era took out Ciampa, Balor was going after Gargano on the floor and threw Gargano to the barricade at ringside toppling with a thunderous drop kick. Ballor finished off Gargano with a DDT on the ramp and Balor walked away with NXT turned upside down and left fans wondering why. Then, on FS1, he was asked by Booker T in Renee Young what had happened and he just said maybe the real Finn Balor is here. The Prince is alive. Then over on Friday Night Smackdown it was started off with the Miz TV segment featuring Team Hogan and Team Flair as they get ready to clash this Thursday at Crown Jewel. Things got heated in the ring with Roman Reigns, Shorty G, and Ali wanting to go at it with Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn, and King Corbin. Zayn tried to hold off everybody, but he was goaded into a tag team match later on with all six men by the Hulkster. But Sami ended up pulling out of the match, claiming that he has a neck injury and would be replaced by Cesaro. Cesaro came out and all hell broke loose as a massive brawl between both sides ended in a melee. With Xavier Woods out due to a devastating Achilles heel injury, it was Kofi Kingston and Big E attempting to right the ship for the New Day, taking on former Raw Tag Team Champions Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. The ending came when Dolph Ziggler rolled up Kofi Kingston surprisingly from behind for the victory. These guys will all meet in the gauntlet tag-team turmoil match this Thursday at Crown Jewel. Lacey Evans got a quick victory over a local competitor who they didn't even get a chance to name. Drew Gulak came out to have a match against Kalisto. However, before he did that, he had his slideshow presentation, his PowerPoint, of why Braun Strowman would lose to Tyson Fury. Of course, that didn't do him too many favors in the eyes of Braun Strowman, who did end up coming out and delivering a power slam to Drew Gulak after Kalisto had picked up the victory. Michael Cole had an interview with Daniel Bryan in the ring, wondering about bringing back the Yes movement. Before Daniel could comment, he was interrupted by Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura. Sami tried to tell Daniel that they had more in common together as a threesome than Daniel does with anybody else explaining that he is also a vegan and that Shinsuke cares about the oceans too and that they should all team together and they extended their hands to welcome Daniel to join them and Daniel looked at them, looked like he was about to really shake hands, but then walked between them and left the ring. We'll see what happens in the future for Daniel Bryan. Sonny Deville came to the ringside with Mandy Rose as Mandy took on the new number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Nikki Cross, both Sasha and Bailey were at ringside on commentary watching this match unfold. Nikki ended up picking up the victory over Mandy Rose. Rey Mysterio and Cain Velasquez were in the ring getting ready for their face-to-face with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. They mentioned about the devastating beatdown that Lesnar delivered to both Rey and Dominic a few weeks ago and promised that Cain Velasquez was going to put another scar on Brock's face like he did in UFC. Before Brock and Paul were to come out, they changed things up and decided to be on the Titantron, saying that they had other things to do rather than be in the ring to do a face-to-face. Those other plans that Brock and Paul had included already beating up Dominic backstage. Rey Mysterio and... Kane Velasquez quickly left the ring to go find Dominic and help him. They got him to medical attention, but as he was being attended to, Brock stormed back in to the scene and destroyed Rey Mysterio, planting him into a wall and also hitting an F5 on Velasquez on top of Dominic. It should be interesting to see what happens this Thursday as Crown Jewel approaches and Kane challenges Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. The main event saw the six-man tag team match with Roman Reigns, Ali, and Shorty G taking on Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke Nakamura, King Corbin, and Cesaro, with both Hogan and Jimmy Hart on one side and Ric Flair on the other. The two sides went at it with intensity from Crown Jewel being only a few days away, and very much both teams would appear to close in on victory several times. The finish came when Roman Reigns hit a spear on Cesaro and tagged in Ali to finish things off with a 450 splash, giving the advantage to Team Hogan heading into Crown Jewel. Shockstock 2020 is New Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos, word of a sanctuary for mutants freaks goblins and geeks spread throughout the land three days of thrills and chills with screenings panels celebrities workshops interactive fun vendors all-nighter parties and more stay tuned for guest announcements and more info this
1: is Sting bassy you're listening to the scumbags wrestling podcast (laughs)
0: This Thursday, October 31st, WD returns to Saudi Arabia for another Crown Jewel event. For us here in North America, it should be happening in the afternoon, probably around 2 o'clock. Currently, there are eight matches scheduled to happen that day, and unfortunately, due to the recording schedule of this podcast and what's going on with WD, there's still one more episode of Monday Night Raw to build towards Crown Jewel. So there may be another match or two added to the actual card before that happens. Plus more build up for the event. However, I'm just going to go with what we have right now as presented with the eight matches and give my insight and predictions for those eight matches. There will be a 20 man battle royal to determine a contender for AJ Styles and the U.S. Championship, which will be decided later on in that same evening. Now, not knowing who the 20 people are going to be involved with this match, it could go any which way. So unless they plan on taking the title off of AJ Styles, it should be anybody but Cedric Alexander winning the Battle Royal, because we don't need another Cedric Alexander-AJ Styles match, unless that title is going to change And with the impressive debut on Raw the other day of Carrillo, I can see Carrillo being the winner and going against AJ Styles for the U.S. title. Then there'll be a gauntlet match, a nine-team tag team turmoil for the WWE World Cup of tag teams. It will feature The New Day, The Viking Raiders, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, The Revival, The OC, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Root, and the B Team. Surprisingly missing from this list are teams like The Ascension and The Usos, which The Usos have been, I guess, shelved for a while, thanks to all their DUI legal issues. As far as it goes with these nine teams, I would love to see a probably a heel team, end up winning the match so that they can be bragging that they're the world cup champions and in this case i can see the revival the smackdown tag team champions pulling out that victory there'll be a match involving local talent mansoor who won the battle royal the last time they were in saudi arabia taking on cesaro In this case, I see Monsieur still winning another match in his home country. We'll see Braun Strowman taking on Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is undefeated in the boxing world, but I have a feeling in this case, since he's in a different ring, he will no longer be undefeated, at least in a wrestling capacity. Still won't affect his boxing record. Brock Lesnar will be defending the WWE Championship against Cain Velasquez. Now, Cain has said he's going to give Brock Lesnar another scar under his other eye, as he did from their UFC fight. I don't see how they can give Cain Velasquez the WWE Championship in his first time out, and with all the background storyline going on with Dominic and Rey Mysterio, they're bound to get involved and this match will probably be a no contest or Brock will win by disqualification because of all the outside interference from the Mysterio family. There'll be a 10-man tag team match involving Team Hogan, because Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair are going to have people representing them to determine who was better. But Team Hogan is represented by Roman Reigns, Rusev, Ricochet, Shorty G, and Ali. They'll be taking on Team Flair, who has Randy Orton, King Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Drew McIntyre. Ric Flair and Hogan will both be at ringside for their respective teams. With the Survivor Series just being a couple weeks later, they actually did not make this into an Elimination Rules match and are saving that for the Survivor Series. However, with the way these teams are and it's one fall to a finish, I can see Team Flair pulling out the victory over Team Hogan. And the other match of the night has Seth Rollins defending his Universal Championship against The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, in a false count anywhere match where the match cannot be stopped for any reason. Once again, I feel WD's painted themselves into a little bit of a corner again with this whole Fiend and. Seth Rollins situation because after the draft happened Bray Wyatt is actually officially a member of the Smackdown roster him taking the Raw championship kind of puts a spoiler into that and doesn't make sense however at the same time if Seth Rollins is to retain the championship that means the Fiend has to lose a match I don't know how they're going to pull that off I don't know how they're going to avoid Seth Rollins looking like a total heel and how do you change that and not lose the momentum that Bray Wyatt has done since creating the Fiend character he's very popular with this even though it was supposed to be a heel the fans aren't accepting it that way and as you saw at Hell in a Cell they were willing to turn on Seth Rollins the babyface in that match so unfortunately Unless they find a way of getting Bray Wyatt the title and putting him on Raw, Seth Rollins is going to retain the championship. And that's Crown Jewel happening this Thursday on the WWE Network. So if you're available in the afternoon when it's going live, you'll be able to see it. If not, you can always catch it on replay.
1: The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash The Signature Spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the Signature Spot on Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brent Money Banks, and you are listening to Scumbags of Wrestling. Scumbags is money.
0: Thank you once again for joining me in this edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send me a message on our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling, or Scumbags Wrestling podcast page. You can join us each and every week right here on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and also be sure to join us each and every Friday for Factory Friday and the production line. I stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory to check out the students of the factory as they progress and get closer to the ring. You'll see them from start to finish. The future is being built now at the Tyson Deeks Russell Factory, and you can catch it each and every Friday on the production line. So until next week, have a great week, and we'll see you again. bunch of loudmouth scumbags that just want attention. your mouth.